that was Caleb and Joshua. If you push the fast forward board, uh, button from that point, we see jo uh, Caleb shows up again in Joshua 14 in the most stunning, powerful way. About this time that they have literally crossed over the Jordan, they are now occupying the promised land and all the property is being divided. They are now looking at dividing the property on the west side of the Jordan. And this is property that they're going to give uh, over to Caleb and his tribe. And, and they're thinking, can, can, can Caleb handle this? Can Caleb fight? Because at this point, Caleb is 85 years old. When he crossed over, tried to cross to the promised land 40 years earlier, he was 45 years old. And Caleb, in this very amazing way, begins to tell this story. He says uh, uh, over in chapter 14 of Joshua and verse 7, he says, I was 40 years old or 45, but 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to Kness Abundia. We know what happened. We could not get across at that point. But he says, but now, after all of these years have passed, he says, now, as you can see, the Lord has kept me even 40 years later alive and God has kept me well and and he is uh, as he has promised for all of these 40 uh, plus years and they are beginning to wonder they said listen you're old guy uh, Caleb can you handle uh, the strenuous nature of fighting for the land uh, that we're, we're looking at allocating to you and Joshua makes the most famous statement almost in history or let me say it this way one of the most famous statements in the Bible, Joshua is about to make here in Joshua, uh, excuse me, Caleb is about to make here in Joshua chapter 14. And here is the statement in verse 11. He says, today I'm 85 years old. Verse 11, I am as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey. And I can still travel and I can still fight as I can, as I can do then. He says, I've had no diminishment. There has been no downsides to my aging. He says, the last season was powerful, but this season I'm in now will always be powerful. Let me pause here and begin to tell you how this impacted my life. God deals in times and seasons. Let me say it again. God operates and deals in times and seasons when it comes to our life. And if God is operating in times and seasons, that means that every season of our life, God has a clear plan to use us optimally in every season. Well, hold it, hold it, Pastor Russell. You know, I'm in my, my 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s, and, and I'm beginning to, to think I'm diminished, and I need to come off the field and begin to rest in my rocker until I die. Or I'm just 20 years old, and I'm, I'm, I'm wet behind my ears, as it were, and maybe I need a, 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 a few more years before I tackle some things. Let me give you something that will have you on the edge of your seat. Some years ago, I was in a room, and I had just uh, uh, was entering my 50s a few years ago. And um, when I got into that room, I began to talk about how I have discovered that that, that my 20s were, 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 were pretty good and my 30s were outstanding totally enjoyed my 40s but but as I entered my 50s I said I'm discovering already as I enter this decade uh, is that this will be the best decade of my life 
my 50s because I have learned how to live my life in decades, uh, 10 year increments on, on, on what I'm going to accomplish. I'm thinking I said something in that room because I also referred, I said that you folk who are entering your 40s, you need to understand you are just getting started with life in your 40s. Um, the, the 20s and 30s were only preparatory. You had a great time. But it's when you hit your 40s that things began to kick in. And then I said, but I thought the 40s were all of that. When I got to my 50s, it's been amazing entering this new decade. I had someone in the audience, the room was backed. I had someone in the audience raise their hand. Is it Pastor Russell? Let me tell you something. The best time of your life is not your 50s. The best time of your life is your 60s. And this person said, in my 60s, I have this accumulated wisdom that I've developed over the years. I'm very clear on how to live and operate my life. Of this confluence of, of, of everything that I have lived for is coming to fruition in my 60s. I love my 60s. I kid you not. Someone in the back of the room raised their hand, and this is a little lady. She raised her hand and she said, listen, folk, the, the, the 50s are, are pretty good. The 60s are okay. She said, but in my 70s, when I have hit the screen, the three score 10 that God has promised, and by reasonable grace, God has allowed me to go further, she says, I cannot tell you that the, the fun I'm having with my life in my 70s. I'm sitting there scratching my head. I just got into my 50s, and I'm thinking that I'm hitting the peak at this point. And these folk are saying, in their 60s and 70s, things have been going wonderful for them, wonderful for them, and they're totally enjoying, enjoying the impact they are making with their lives in their 60s and 70s. I'm thinking we have reached our peak of this discussion, but but sure enough, in, in the side to my left, a man stood up. He said, let me tell you something. He had a cane. He raised his cane while he was talking. He says, I am in my 80s. And I know exactly what Caleb meant when he says, I'm as strong today as I was 40 years ago. He said, yeah, I've had some weakening in my limbs. There's been some diminishment physically. But in terms of my mental acuity, my ability to still engage in life, my ability to, uh, to, to come alongside people, to help them uh, to think through things in their own lives, and, and, and even more wisdom that God has given me in my 80s, this is absolutely the best season of my life. What I'm about to tell you is true. Then a woman in the back of the room, not in the back of the room, almost towards the front, was 90 years in her 90s. She stood up and she says, all of you are still young for me. She says, in my 90s, my walk with God is deeper than ever before. The, 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 the substance of what I bring to table and to the table is more deeper than ever. God is pouring stuff into me at my 90s that I never experienced in my 50s, my 60s, and my 70s. It dawned on me that every season of life can be your best season of life. You don't have to taper off and begin diminishment. You don't have to reach a place and begin to retire. By the way, everybody, retirement is not a term in the Bible. In other words, uh, you can pull back through your day-to-day -day job, but you must then shift to say, what's next in my life? I believe that everyone's best days are in front of them. 
we're looking at uh, Joe Biden, who is 70 years old, running for president. We got our current president, who's 73, almost 74 years old, still active. I'm trying to say to you, wherever you are in your life right now, it can get old winter and better. You keep yourself sharp. You keep working at, at, at being your best in everything that you don't allow yourself to diminish. You keep working out uh, physically. You can keep doing what you need to do. I'm trying to tell you that every season, every decade of your life can be your best decade. How did Caleb pull it? He said, guess guys, get over it. He says, 40 years ago I was strong, but 40 years later I'm strong. I'm not going to have you handing me anything. I'm going to lead my own soldiers into battle. He says, uh, I can still travel, I can still fight, and I can still perform. I don't know about you, but I'm not. I'm looking forward to not the, the, the years to come. I'm looking forward to the decades to come. When I'm going to be all in, I'm going to give God all I got every single day. Let me end with this story here. Uh, about two years ago, I stepped away after 30 plus years of pastoring, conference president, all of that stuff, uh, uh, traveling the world for the world church, training their leaders, and two years ago, uh, I was I was right around 58 uh, years old, and the Lord began to uh, make real a dream I had been praying for for years, that I wanted to train leaders full time. I don't know how I was going to do it, but the day came when God says, I'm releasing you to go do this as an extension of your ministry. I started a business, but the text that God took me to was Genesis chapter 12. He says, I'm going to bless you. Uh, that those who bless you, I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to uh, I'm going to build your reputation on this. And then, the, then I said to the Lord, I said, God, I'm 58 years old. I said, uh, I can't be starting a business now. And God says, keep reading. I read two verses down in Genesis chapter 12. And it said, when God called Abraham, he was 75 years old old. I don't care where you are right now, in your teens, your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, your 60s, your 70s, your 80s, or 90s, all you cross over the centurion mark. Every decade, every season of your life can be your best season. It's only you that would check out and say, that's it. Never say, that's it. Always say, what's next? Father, thank you for the word. Thank you for the season that we're in. Knowing that this is a, a great season, but knowing that our next season will be even greater. Bless God. Those out there who are saying, can I do it even now? Let them know they can still go forward in you in this next season and in the current season. In Jesus' name, amen. That was a magnificent word, preacher. Thank God for the word, man. Magnificent word. Magnificent. Well, we are on live here, and we thank God so much for the opportunity to be in among the greatness of messages that will reverberate us to, to a place where we want to get up from where we are, get off that negative couch and say, yes, I can. And Pastor Russell, my dear friend, we thank you so much for being a part of this, and hopefully... Uh, we can hear more of you uh, as we 
While he's getting right, while he's getting that, uh, having a little bit of a technical difficulty. But uh, Pastor, I just want to thank you so much for reminding us how God operates. And you know, it was interesting to hear uh, how living life in the seasons. Uh, uh, I get, I'm, I begin to understand that that always the best, our best is yet to come. Uh, but you know, I can't help but understand how some folk can get caught up in the, the now and feel like their better days are behind them. It's easy to get set, um, you know, especially to, to kind of get your mind set on your best days behind you instead of your better days ahead of you. And, uh, but I, I really appreciate so much you sharing that with us. I kind of feel like I've been on that journey with you. Um, and certainly you've been a, a, a wonderful uh, friend over the years. I've known Pastor Russell for uh, well over 20 years. I guess over 25 years or more. Yeah, yeah. We, we, go, we go back to our days at uh, the great Allegheny East Conference. Yes. And uh, he's been a mentor, a friend, uh, one of my go-tos for uh, trying to you know, make some critical decisions in life. Uh, he's been there. Um, hopefully we can get Dr. Brown on with us and Sister Rose. Uh, we do have an exciting panel. <laughs> I'm here, I'm here, thank you. Rose, thank you so much. Dr. Brown, did you? Oh, uh, he's still having some challenges. If you can hear us, we can't hear you. But uh, while you're working out those challenges, sir, we're going to get moving because we have an exciting panel. And please jump on as soon as you can. Sister Rose, help me understand. Your last name is Oringa. I want you to phonetically sound it. Go ahead and do it for me, I don't want to mess up your name. Go ahead. Oh, Ginga. Oh, Ginga. You got it. Right. Yes. You got it. Very good. Thank you. Um, now, Dr. Russ, I know that you are the CEO of your company. Uh, and well, actually, uh, the title is the principal of True North Leadership Group. Okay. The principal of True North Leadership Group. Uh -huh. All right. And Sister Rose, tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you. Um, my name is Rose Oginga, as has been mentioned. I come to you as a servant. I like services. That's one virtue that I carry with pride. I am blessed to have friends like you all, and especially Dr. Moses Brown, who is my mentor, my godfather to the children, and one who led me to this country. So I'm very proud to associate with Dr. Brown and the wife, Jeanette Brown. Those are the good people who gave me breakfast when I arrived in this country. You never forget that. So I am an educator, um, taught schools for several years, and currently I am a nurse, and I do a lot of coaching in various aspects, health and life as well. And I am a leader of uh, women ministry in my church. And I'm also blessed to run a few things here and there. Uh, Dr. 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 Craig, I do want to mention, my relationship with Dr. Brown uh, goes back to academy days. 
perspective, running a graduate from Forsyth Academy. Uh, and of course, my relationship with Dr. Uh, Kreider is that his brother and I were good friends prior to my meeting Pastor Curtis here. So there's some some good connections with both of them leading into this evening. Awesome. Well, let's talk, let's jump into some of our questions that we have tonight. I have a few for you guys. Mm-hmm. And the first question we're talking about how to succeed in tough times. Uh, we know the times that we're living in are tough economically. Uh, we live in some tough, tough social times, social issues. We are, we're at the uh, brink of a, um, uh, a political, perhaps a political shift in our nation. We will see. But there's a lot of things. We have the pandemic that's happening to us. Several things that's just creating some, some hardships, mm-hmm. some tough times. Mm-hmm. And uh, some are succeeding. Some aren't doing so well. What we try to do on our Winston Night Live program is have some relevant topics so we can help our viewers kind of make sense of the times that we're living in because I believe in every moment God is still, he is still working. He said, I'll never leave you, never forsake you. Mm-hmm. So tonight we have a group of professionals who can, who, who have already demonstrated navigating through life uh, in various ways. And we just want to, uh, you know, have you guys share some of your wisdom. Here's, here's a question that we have. How do you thrive during tough times when there's so many barriers in place to hinder you? How do you thrive in tough times when there's so many barriers that can be well, those, those, those barriers right now are absolutely real. And we heard our former first lady uh, say three weeks ago, she says that with all of the external pressures in the world right now, she's beginning to experience some um, low-level depression. Uh, in fact, she is representing the vast majority of the country and the world right now that people are having a difficult time in coping in this environment where there is not only the racial tension, the political tensions, uh, and also COVID-19. But it dawned to me the other morning uh, something very, very simple in terms of coping as a Christian. And I don't want to oversimplify it but it is what it is, as President Trump would say, here it is. One of the most powerful things we have to cope with as a Christian is we have the ability every single day to get into the secret place with God. That is in that place with God where all things make sense. But if you're running a million miles a minute and uh, you're not carving that time out with God on a day-by-day basis, then you're going to quickly get overwhelmed. You're going to quickly uh, feel that the forces of, of, of the, the hectic nature of this world are over are overcoming you uh, in a very dramatic and, and powerful way. But there's something about the peace of being in God's presence that things make sense. They come together. There's a sanity uh, when you come uh, in God's presence. And so one of the ways I'm coping is the fact that I know that the thing that keeps me going it's morning by morning, getting into the secret place of the Most High that I can now, no matter what's happening, abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, I know Pastor Russell from Farsley Academy moves kids, and his journey has been remarkable. And to see where you are now, Pastor Russell, is 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 a blessing to all all your 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 homies from Farthing Academy. Yeah. 
God is really good to you and, and you're doing well. And also Sister Rose Oginga um, from Kenya, when they stepped out of the plane, we had nowhere for them to go, the whole family. And when we saw them come in with nowhere to go, and while they was on the plane, they, when they called, God opened up a house while they was flying over here. And from that day to this day, the children have gone to college. They couldn't speak English. The kids, they're picking at them. Now they come back to them and ask them how to speak correct English. So God has been good to, to Sister Rose and our family. And could you tell us a little bit about how God has worked with you in this, this project, your transition? Just a little bit about your transition, Sister Rose. Thank you. Um, my transition has been a blessing. I say so because without God, there's nothing you can do. And I remember when I was back in Kenya as a teacher in high school where I met Pastor Brown, um, I, by faith, I was like, you know, I have a green card, but I don't know where I'm going to. And I was meeting him for the first time. So what I'm talking about here is what faith can do and what only God can do. So I am a testimony of what God can do. So I meet him and I ask him, hey, what do we do? Do you know where we can go get started? So Florida was not in our mind. Our mind was in Georgia. But then he was like, no problem. We'll look into what to do. So on as we were coming in, they didn't know where we were going to be, but for somehow they decided, okay, if they come, I think we have, you know, a Seventh-day Adventist, we kind of agreed to have one, you know, kid here, one mom here and all that. So as family, we're going to be in different homes. But for somehow, some reason, God helped us and we were able to get a house, as he says, and we all got in there with my three kids and um our english is british english so when we came in here our accent was very different and everything looked so weird and, and being an english teacher i was like what's wrong i'm speaking the right english how come they can't understand me and it took me a while i haven't even picked that accent yet but i think the confidence i had helped me grow well and the fact that god led us to this place so it has not been Go ahead. When your kids just got a master's degree, yes. Um, I, uh, I saw one of the grades from the other ones was straight A students in the U.S. And that that what transformation means. You you have to have a determination. I told her there. I said sometimes people come to this country, but they have something that pushes them, and they go farther than those who've been in this country all their lives. So that's one of the things I, I, I really respect you all for. Your husband got a good job with Publix. He's at, a, at the county over there. And it's just remarkable how God is doing fast, fascinating things with you all. God um, is good, yes. God is good. I think we have other questions that come up, and I wanted to get to these questions because I know that many have wanted to ask. And the other question was coming up, how do you recapture the passion to lead in excellence versus mediocrity. You know, a lot of people want to get by with stuff now. And Pastor Russell, you've been a leader, uh, led a whole conference. 
But we have a lot of people now, this COVID thing, I don't feel like giving up and getting out, doing anything. Nothing's going to work. Nothing's going to happen. But in your message you gave today, you know, you, you gave something that said no matter what, you can do all things through Christ. So, but doing it in one way, having this meteorology idea, you know, just, just get by with stuff. But how do you push yourself to to do it with passion, that passion to thrive, to be the very best? Well, there, there's a lot of factors that can go with that one, but uh, that's a great question, by the way. But one of the things that drives believers in what we do with the quality and caliber of our lives and our work is this simple text of the Bible. We do everything as unto the Lord. And when you do it as unto the Lord, mediocrity immediately disappears. You can't do mediocrity and do it as unto the Lord. Um, you you got to be all in uh, uh, w- uh, with him. And you have to avoid, you have to have a, in your mind that you would avoid mediocrity as a plague. So let me insert something that will be very helpful uh, for those who are battling with mediocrity. Uh, num- num- number one uh, is that a leader is a reader. That means get into reading on a regular basis, uh, front of your mind, turn off Netflix, uh, turn off uh, Disney Plus and all the other streaming services. Begin to expand your mind. Uh, get on to some of the TED Talks uh, there uh, all over uh, YouTube. You are exposing yourself to people who are who are not mediocre themselves. And the people you hang around, you can end up becoming like them. And so I, I make sure that I'm always associating with people who really, well, so to everybody, but for, for those you bring up close, are those who are trying to live their life at the same level of passion uh, that you are. But the bottom line is, is that every part of your work, how you live your life, yeah. Romans 12 says, mm-hmm. we do it, uh, that, that our life is an act of worship. So in our work, mm-hmm. it's an act of worship, mm-hmm. and I must do it as unto the Lord, because mm-hmm. everything must be pleasing to God. Or as Jesus says, I in here, Jesus says, I always do those things to please the Father. Our That's desire me. has to be, everything that I do is going to be to please the Father. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. Because, you know, if we don't look at it that way, we start pleasing ourselves and we, we, we can start cutting corners. But we do things to please God. I mean, we would get into our prayer life like we've never done before. We'll get in the word of God like we've never done before because we know that he will, the elements say he partners with us. When we start trying to do better, the Holy Spirit partners with us and we see phenomenal results when he connects with us. I'm sitting inside the church here and many of the members have not been here for months. That's what I told the pastor. Let's, let's, let's people are church sick. And we want you to know, church family, that we love you and we miss you. Don't give up. That's why we have this program tonight. Because we know many of you have lost some jobs and say, well, I don't know if I'm going to even get back on my feet again. But in the midst of your disparity, God can come through like he's never done before. He'll undergird your, the negative with a positive. And you'll see, you'll see your result become very, very positive if you keep on holding on. Anybody else want to address this? I'll go to the next question. So we get get through this. It says, what is the best way 
for any leader to handle difficult people. Um, I see uh, Pastor Crowder got a smile on. I know he's, from his past, might be there, there might have been some difficult, since he came to Mount Calvary, he hasn't seen no difficult people. But uh, how do you handle difficult people, Pastor Crowder? Well, you know, here's the thing. And I, I don't consider myself to, as Paul said, to have apprehended everything. But what I do realize is that, first of all, I'm a difficult person. Mm. I'm a difficult person. In the sight of God, God sees some things that are very difficult. And he, show, he gives me a lot of grace and a lot of mercy and a lot of wisdom. And I think when you're dealing with anybody, anyone, you need to have a degree of, of all of that with some wisdom and some some strength of character uh because uh for, for sometimes people are difficult uh, and and it could be difficult in a uh a wrong way a negative way and sometimes it could be difficulty that we experience that could actually help us move things along so i need discernment to try to figure it out uh but then the strength of character to be able to stand in there uh and understand a few things i read a book some years ago it was called well-intentioned well-intended dragons. And it was talking about how many times you, there are people who's, who have good intentions, but they don't communicate well enough mm. to, to share those intentions, those motives. So they kind of say things uh, maybe that would, uh, uh, you know, uh, come from a communication standpoint that might be a, a, a barrier. So uh, trying to listen, trying to really pay attention, ask questions, to understand what you're dealing with, uh, to because there might be some gems that, uh, that for whatever reason they can't. My grandmother used to say this to us. My grandmother was from Bahamas, and uh, she she wasn't trying to speak the king's language. English. That's not where she was raised. But she says, um, and we would, she would say things a little different. They would say in the islands, and uh, and just what she would say, she would point her hands. She was four feet eleven. She would point her hands in our face. She said, "Son, mind not what I say, but mind me." And I understood that. So she got a point across. She said it a little strange, a little different, but we all understood, and we understood what Granny was trying to communicate to us. So over time, dealing with, uh, you know, you got difficult people everywhere, and sometimes difficult people what we call. But in essence, they might be exactly what we need to, how they say iron sharpens iron. Sometimes we need that uh, little extra push to, uh, a little extra roughness to, to get things moving. May I be honest with you? I'm still trying to learn how to handle, uh, I was going to say color people, but I'm still trying to learn how to handle difficult people. Um, I'm human. And sometimes, Sister Rose, when people say something to me that's derogatory, you know, the flesh might have come up and say, you know, you should, you don't have to take that. And when you're trying to move up the ladder, you have to be careful who you even engage with because sometimes that person that you have that argument with would turn out down the road to be your boss. And, and that's why they, be, they may be difficult in your season, like, Tonight, Pastor Freddy is on tonight. And that comes, he used to be the tent master, and I was the, uh, the music director for Ella Best. And we grew up together. We had, we didn't have those, no fights and stuff. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been on tonight. 
if I had back in the day, if I, I say, Pastor Freddie, could you come on tonight and talk with us? But if that relationship had messed up a long time ago, so you never know who's going to be on your journey down the road. That's why you have to treat people right all the time. Mm-hmm. And Sister Rose, you you have worked with, when I went to your school, there was about, I don't know, it was about 5,000 girls in that in the auditorium that day when I spoke. But how, you, you have to find, I think you had to find that, that, that balance between uh, the type of people that was in Kenya and those who are who lives here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And how did you handle it? How do you handle difficult people, Sister Rose? Give me a second. I think my, one second, my battery is almost dying. <laughs> okay. uh, let me fix it. It's just telling me to stop and do the right thing. Okay, there we go. Um... As you say, difficult people. We have so many difficult people in the world, including me and you. And that's the reason why I'm an author of two books. One is called Unmasking Bullying, and the other one is called Budget Fitting. And all these are drawn to the fact that I have had at my age an experience with difficult people, difficult students, and everything that goes with it. And how you handle each person is not the same. Just like when you have your children, never bath them in one basket and think they will all do the same thing that you want. You have to accept that. Each individual brings in something that you either like or you don't. And when you don't, remember they also don't like what you're doing either. And respectfully, just model the approach that goes with the person's consent. And that has helped me a lot when you, as I said, my two books are in Amazon, Unmasking Bullying and Budget Fitting on Unmasking Bullying. It covers from ages early as five to the ages of 80. But we are trying to look at the school avenue. So bullying does not just start. It starts because of being difficult in one way or another. You want to be heard. You want to express yourself. You want to insert yourself. But my grandmother reminded me, mommy, or he, she used to call me Dani because she, I was named after her. And she would say, what would it be like if it was done to you? The same thing you're doing to others. So that has kept me grounded. I have to do what I would expect others to do for me. Uh, excellent, excellent. And make sure we get those books. Pastor Russell, you have dealt not only with difficult people, but you had to deal with, even as a conference president, sometimes dealing with difficult pastors. Um, that's even another level. Uh, and now you're dealing with, you know, the CEOs and other people of higher echelons, or high echelons. And, and working those realms, what has been your technique of dealing with people who just don't do right? I, I, I live by two caveats when it comes to uh, people. Uh, my good friend, Pastor Prater, referenced the book that we both read. It was a, when it came out, um, Middle East was a book Wealth Protection Dragons. And one of the most powerful lines in that book, and a dragon was a metaphor for a difficult person. But one of the most powerful lines in that book was, to fight a dragon, you don't have to become a dragon. Mm-hmm. 
You don't become what you're fighting. But let me flip it and say it a different way. I'm not responsible for how people treat me. I'm only responsible for how I treat them. And I think that as a Christian, that has to be my worldview. I'm not, well, you can act crazy if you want to. You can act difficult, but I don't have to respond in kind. But sometimes, as Pastor Quieta alluded to, a person may not just be difficult, it may be some other thing uh, that they bring into the, into the, in, in, into the fore as well. And, and so there is a, a third caveat, if I can add it, that I live by. It is um, out of Stephen Covey's book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And he says this, seek first to understand before trying to be understood. And by the way, that not only works for people, that also works with our children, that works in our marriages. If we just do that one, to seek first to understand before trying to be understood. And when they do become dragons, here it is again. I'm not responsible for how you treat me. I'm only responsible for how I treat you. That's mm. Excellent. Thank you for that observation. I'm responsible how I treat you. And Lord, as I sit here right now, I'm asking God to help me to make sure I see me treating other people because it's so easy to see my fingers pointed at somebody else, but look all the fingers pointed back at me. It's me, oh Lord, that's standing in need of prayer. Yeah. Our next question is, here we are in an election, and there are a plethora of different uh, commercials going on and the most you know right now there are some Adventists who are Democrat there are some who are Republicans there are some who are independents I, I never really I never get up and start telling people what who's bad or whatever but but there has to be some type of criteria as Christians when we go to the voting poll in November and we should go and vote. I mean, to me, black lives matter if the black vote matter. If you're not voting, I mean, if you have lost really the main thing, but what criteria should we be looking for in a leader, not just in the, in the presidential, but even our local leaders? Is, is there a standard criteria that we should look in for for leadership in individuals when we're voting for them? You know, uh, yes, there, there are some standards. Uh, I think integrity, uh, I think that, that should speak volumes right there. Uh, a man or woman who, who uh, stands for something and actually demonstrated not only in their words, but their action, I think that's worthy of, of, of our consideration. Uh, I think with the parties, and again, I'm not disparaging either either or party um, uh, that's that's your preference but I think we need to look at in terms of principles of the word of God and principles that guide our lives uh, which should be the word of God we should find uh, a, a leader as much as possible who resonate with them uh, that's and, and you know it, 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 it can be challenging it, it, it is it's really challenging these days uh, that we that we are seeing and, and honestly uh, I'm having to say, God, you you said that you put them up and you 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 take them down, and I just have to trust the wisdom of God uh, with regards to that. And really, and I would say, uh, because of the democracy that we live in, 
and we do need to vote um, one way or the other. I would strongly urge uh, our listeners, if you really haven't taken this seriously, go look at what what each one of these parties stand for, uh, are supposed to stand for, what, what are some of the ideals that they're supposed to represent, and see if that leader uh, even comes, uh, you, know, you know, even comes close to that, or, you know, you know, obviously you want to pray about it, but um, I think for me, integrity speaks, speaks volumes. It just, it just goes without saying. You know, you know, like, oh, I'm sorry. Pastor. No, I said, I salute that. Go ahead on. Um, it's interesting you raise this question because today uh, I just got it out of the mail two hours ago. My issue of Christianity today came in and it's dealing with the subject of Christians called when is it a sin to vote for a political candidate? Uh, powerful, powerful uh, thing. And for me personally, I think they reduce it. I don't think you vote for a party. You vote for a person. Um, and that means that you're not captive by a party. You're captive, not captive. You are prepared to vote for a, a, a person that shares your your views and character, as Pastor has mentioned. And so, Pastor, I like to, uh, Brian, I like to read and think about 30 sec- 20 seconds to read this. Uh, this person responds to it. Uh, with this question, the question was, when is it a sin to vote for a political candidate? And this person says this. It says, Christians must follow uh, their conscience as Romans 14 describes. That conscience should be informed by the Holy Spirit, Scripture, reason, and wise forces in the church. We have to accept that followers of Jesus vote differently as they seek to be faithful to him. It is wrong, however, to vote for someone who isn't a morally decent person, whose character falls below the minimal standard required to handle the responsibility of governing. And Christians must focus on those who are, who are marginalized and oppressed in our society, the unborn, minorities, women, the poor, and others who suffer injustice. There will always be tensions in voting our values. We need wisdom and grace to navigate that. And of course, the big thing that comes out of that comment, this, this person responded to the question, is what Pastor Clyde mentioned, that integrity, honor, um, you know, um, uh, 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 honesty, all of those are values that we must look at, despite the party. Uh, because if I vote party, that can get a nut ready for the leader of the party. I've got to vote for the person. And i got to say, as a Christian, can I morally vote for this person, given what I know of them? No matter what the platform of the party says. What I can add there is that uh, we tend to have a problem because we are not educated. And I say this loosely. When you don't know what it entails about what you're voting for, then you don't know who to vote for. So many a times we find ourselves into problems and go with the crowd. So there is need for individuals to educate themselves in what they're voting for, not whom they're voting for, or or both. In other words, if you don't know why you're voting or what's your reason for voting, then it becomes a problem. So each individual get to educate yourself on why you're voting for X, Y, Z, then you will have done the right thing. But just voting for the sake of voting ends up giving us a lot of problems because you end up realizing 
that oh my goodness i even didn't know why i voted him in or her in or whatever the case may be so know why you are voting for one person to the other i'm just piggybacking on what pastor said dr brown if i can mention this we as christians live with the tension of this thing of voting because there is no party that has a platform that we can support everything we have to pick and we there are things that we may vote for a person that they may have an issue that that we don't we cannot own as christians uh this thing of uh, uh where they mentioned that everything is reduced down do you support uh abortion well the fact is is that one party is uh, is anti-abortion inside the womb, but pro-abortion outside the womb. Uh, they would put they would kids in cages and all of that. And so that's why it has to come down to the person going as far as we can, because there would never be a perfect platform mm-hmm. or perfect policies. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to trust uh, what Paul says that there there are there are Christians in Caesar's household. That in Caesar's household, there's some folk we can't support, but there's some issues that we cannot support, even as we support the person. That's the dichotomy and the tension that we live with as Christians. I want I want to also jump in and say this. In this in this season of my life, I'm I'm learning the value. This goes back to what Sister Oginga just said. Uh, taking the time to really get to know what's happening around me uh, in, in our government. Because I think if we get a good understanding of how well local government is operated, how we're set up, how our leaders impact our communities, and if we're not just, you know, uh, in this day and age, not just trying uh, concerned about coming to church and being in our own separate society, so to speak, but we're being a part of the greater society, we got to understand what the needs are and how these needs actually, uh, how things actually trickle down to our community. And so at my level right here i i must understand what's happening in my district who's operating my district edu- from the educational standpoint who's the superintendent i understand they didn't i need to understand the, the, the thought process of my mayor and then i need to understand how all of this is impacted from our governor even up to our president so that when we start listening to these laws because there are a lot of in the election we just look at the big candidates who are running right but there are a lot of little policies that impact our lives uh, that are represented by some of these some of these parts that we really have to pay more attention to. And this goes back to what you're saying. You know, you got to know more. When I was a kid, everybody was saying, uh, you know, vote for a particular party, but not fully understanding why. So we just did it. But now I understand, as as Paul said, when I was a child, I thought it was a child, but when I became a man, I put away those child things. You got to understand. What, who these people are, uh, what they represent, what values they represent. And sometimes you, you gotta just look behind the scenes and they say one thing, but you really have to see what their track record has been up until now. Dr. Brown, I think we have we have come to, to the end of our time here. Am I right, sir? Okay. We lost him. You lost your volume again. You can hear <laughs> us, we can't hear you. But for some reason, I apologize. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's happening to you. But anyhow, uh, we, we, Dr. Russell, good friend of mine, it's good to see you once again. Sister Rose Oginga, we're so glad that you came on. Thank Both you. Both of you have incredible testimonies about a journey that God has you on. And our goal tonight was just to expose our 
viewers to a little bit of your testimony so that we could stay encouraged because all of us are on the journey and our journeys are different but all of our all of us are on the journey to where god is leading to hopefully and prayerfully that journey will ultimately end us in heaven can i say can i say something yeah sorry about that i just wanted to mention something that i've seen god has done through my life I started an organization known as I Hope. It stands for International Health Operation, Patient Education and Empowerment. And during this COVID-19, lockdown in Kenya had an effect that if, I, if, if you as a normal human being would hear it, you'd cry tears for your daughters. Over 897 young girls from 10 to 18 were impregnated. Why? Because they are with the, within the homes. They don't have anywhere to go. And I had very many good friends who supported a, 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 a program that I ran known as Mentoring Program. We were able to go to over 25 regions. We were able to meet 5,000 girls to teach them that, you know, there are other options that you can do so that you don't fall into victims because you have to get a pad that's how bad it is a pad for your menstrual period from a man who will definitely impregnate you or rape you at the, at, at, at the process most of them were actually raped unfortunately we thank God to be here because the system here allows us to follow through unfortunately back there it is difficult so I just want you to pray for those girls who are victim of those situations and pray for this program that I've begun. And each one of you here, if you have any networking, please go through Dr. Brown. Help me help them. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Sister O, for mentioning that to us. We're going to pray for those young ladies and pray for you because obviously God has called you to a special, a specialized ministry. And I know that you get a lot of pushback uh, from unseen as well as the seen enemy but we're going to pray that God will just be that fortress around you and your ministry and uh, Pastor Russell we're praying for you as well as you are seeking to touch millions of people with your ministry we pray that God's hand of mercy will also be upon you um, for those who are still viewing with us we're going to uh, say our final prayer but we want you to hang tight we do have some uh, announcements that want you as a church to see uh, that the things that are happening coming up this weekend and beyond. So we're going to close out. The announcements will continue to run. And by the grace of God, we hope to see you on Sabbath morning with our next live viewing for Sabbath school, mm -hmm. as well as our uh, worship experience at 1130 uh, p.m. And remember, this coming Sabbath is our communion service. So many of you have been stopping by the church. You picked up your communion kits. Uh, and if there are others who want to come by, uh, you couldn't do it for whatever reason, we'll be here on Friday night between the hours of 6.15 and 7.15. You can pick up your community kids at that time. And by the grace of God, we're going to prepare our hearts and minds to be with each other. While we're not together physically in spirit, we're going to be together, and the Holy Spirit will be with us as well. We thank you so much. Uh, Dr. Brown, I know you've been having some problems. Are you back on with us? You still have some challenges, sir. Well, well we can barely hear you. But anyhow, we appreciate you. We appreciate you, sir. We're going to close out with prayer. 
Uh, let's just bow our heads, shall we? Father, we just want to thank you for so much that you've done for us and how you have enriched our lives through just being present with uh, our panelists tonight, hearing the words of Dr. Russell as he spoke to us, and just, God, embracing what we could do to make it through this tough, difficult time. Please, God, be with our viewers. And then, God, we also pray for those young ladies um, that Sister Oginga was referencing. God, we just, we pray, God, that you will bring them out of that dark place. We pray, God, that you will bring them out of that issue and, and bring them, God, to a safe place. We pray for her ministry as she is one that's going in to be of service to them. We pray that you will cover her life and saturate her fully with your Holy Spirit. And we pray as well for Dr. Russell, Lord, as he ministered to your leaders. We pray, God, that you will continue to open his mind to even more wisdom that he can impart to others. And, uh, and bless those as they stand up and lead your, the next generation into the direction where you would have them. Well, Dr. Brown as well, God bless and keep him. We thank him so much for being our host tonight. And we pray that as we, our viewers, as we sign off tonight, God, that you will keep us close to you until we come back again. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being with us. <laughs> we really appreciate it. Welcome. This is Designed for Success, and we have a great team that is going to be talking about your purpose to shine. Welcome. Program. Your purpose to shine, shifting your perspective, shifting your thinking. Our topic is your purpose to shine, your purpose to shine. Sharon, take it away. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. My name is Sharon Adundo, as you can see on the screen. And I'm a business lady, I'm a mother, I'm an author. Um, and I love speaking about money issues beside the business that I do. I normally say it doesn't matter what you do, but we all have to meet at the money topic. So that's what i'm passionate about so let's hear from uh, we'll be talking sharing we are all about uh, we are all here trying to share in order to help others also who are struggling in different ways to shift their mindset so take this opportunity and learn a thing or two because in all that we do we all we all need a mentor we all need someone to guide us we all need someone to work with us so this is the main reason why we came with this group to put together different aspects of what we need in life and to be able to know how to
daily to the next level because we can't stay at the same level if you want progress in life. Uh, let others introduce themselves, then we'll go on from there. Thank you. Well, hello everybody. Happy Sunday. I hope your Sunday is good so far. Mine is. Um, glad that I'm here to just share what I love to do best. Um, my name is Achienki Besu, also known as Paulino Chieno, depending on the sphere that I am operating in. I am a mother of two boys. They're grown. I uh, love them to death. Uh, COVID's made me ex uh, spend more time with them because we all know what COVID did to a lot of people. People got followed. I'm glad my children could come back home and be with us. It's nice to have four adults. Um, so we get to eat four different menus cooked by four different people. So COVID can also be a blessing. Um, I am a nurse practitioner by profession. I've been a nurse for many years, many, many years since I got out of high school because it is, I knew it is what I wanted to do and I took it head on and I promised myself that I would go to the highest education level that a nursing can get. And I did get that. So I have my doctorate in nursing. And there's also a story behind that one day, or if you ever get to get to be with me closer, come to my personal sessions, I will share with you how I, I turned my negative energy from my schooling experience in America to earn what I really uh, had planned in my life. Uh, so I am a nurse practitioner. I work for a smaller business for uh, a very a smaller organization, but that it is very personal that we see our patient outcomes, and that had always been my wish to impact those who who are kind of forgotten in the society. So um, mixing my two passions, impacting lives and sharing healthcare with my uh, the community where I work, and. Other than being a mom, other than being a nurse practitioner, I specialize also in leadership. I, my doctorate is in health system leadership. I've been in leadership positions virtually through my life. I was always head girl, head of, you know, head of, head, 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 lead this, lead that. And it has put me all the way to the table in corporate America, being in executive leaderships. Um, I still am the leader of the clinic that I work at. I lead every day of my life. I'm the leader as a wife in my house. I'm a leader as a mother of my children. I'm a leader through and through. And um, some of the highlight leadership positions I hold, I am the vice chair lady of KNADS, which is the biggest uh, diaspora women uh, circle in, um, in, in the North American diaspora. I also chair Texas for the proposed Hebrew Federal Credit Union uh, Bank for Hebrews, which are Black people for us, by us. Uh, we are in the finalizing stages, almost throwing out a bank out there for our people to be taken care of us so that we can put our money where our interest is. I also have several um, leadership positions. I won't mention all of them. I'm in a lot of organizations and by default, uh, I guess, I have come to accept that that is what God created me to be. And so I just accept them and try to 
to roll and achieve what I know about leadership. Um, what else? Um, 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 while we're talking about those leadership positions, um, I will bring on next time because there's a lot of them. And how could I forget? I am the president of uh, a nonprofit organization. I hope Kenya International, and it is where now my passion for giving is, you know, is in operation. And I can combine health, I can combine giving, I can combine leadership in that organization that is very dear to my heart. And also in Kenya, I have another little organization which is called Unique Youth and Watanamama Perspectives also impact people on the ground. I love my country, Kenya. I've been in America long, but my heart is always with Kenya because that's where I was born. And like it or I don't, I'm Kenyan through and through. And um, it's a great country. And if I can lend my hand, I always lend my hand. And thank you, friends. Thank you, uh, family that's been supportive in all I do. With that said, you don't have to talk. Yeah, I guess if you're a leader, talking just comes natural. So let me give the next person an opportunity to talk. Thank you. Oh my gosh, never, never give uh, Pauline uh, a microphone. Otherwise, you'll be in trouble. Sharon knows how to take a break. Like, okay. <laughs> so once again, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Chien. Thank you, Sharon, for coming on. Designed for Success is for you. My name is Rosa Ginga. Uh, I am an educator by, by profession. I am a nurse. I am a counselor. I am a coach. I am an author. And I'm proud to say that I've authored two books on masking bullying. And also, I have.
He knows if he comes back on his left side second, he's going to get a shot away. See Taylor saying, go on, down the line, down the line. He's still able to get inside, though, and get that shot off. Tarkovsky does the block. Pope is behind him anyway. Here comes the corner, holding his head. the opposite word is it they're hoping they haven't really been able to create too much they've thrown a lot of balls into the box just hoping it falls at one of their players